these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. I mean, the maturity comes when you stack performances like this on top of each other. So that remains to be seen. Um, but this was a great focused effort. Um, executed everything that we talked about really well at a high level. Um, defensively, I thought Rudy and um, Jaden McDaniels were outstanding and kind of set the tone there. And, you know, offensively, we did what we had to do when we had to do it to take advantage of where we thought we could take advantage of. So. Finchy. 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 I told you, Finchy basketball solutions. It's the next big thing in Finchies. <laughs> We we have a business proposition for Chris Finch here, actually. This is Flagrant Howls, by the way, your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Our guy Kyle, uh, who would normally be on on the Thursday episode, he's traveling. He's enjoying his time, hopefully, in Scottsdale. So we got uh, Judd and Dex here, and I have for you guys eight Wolves observations we will get to can we, last night's game. Can we also get Judd? Because we know we've made the comparisons of Chris Finch and Judd having the same like looks, mannerisms, and whatnot. Can we also get Judd the quarter zip wolves? Because if he has the glasses on right now, the last step, Judd, we'll, we got to get you a Christmas right for here. Christmas or something, a wolves quarter zip, and then you have to just have the stats in front of you. You have to do flagrant howls. XXL, please, down. but yes, I'll do it in a yes. second. Yep. Look, like, just look a little, like a like little bit disheveled. Yeah, and have your hair. And mildly annoyed. Yeah run my hand so and and like look at the stats and and like yeah look he looks to me like a high school english teacher yeah like yes the, the cool english looks, like, teacher because yeah, he he's got the look cool like he's got the trendy off. glasses you yeah. know yeah. yeah he's got a he's got a wife that knows how to dress him or something yeah. you know and before you start i i would like to replace kyle on one thing i came home last night to watch the game Dawn had the main TV, which is fine. You know why? Because I've got Xfinity, so I could go on the Valley Sports app, which I get, right, and watch the game. Second consecutive game that you can't watch. This is freaking Timberwolves. Seriously. Coming up next, a login screen that just blinks and does nothing. This is ridiculous. You can't even cancel it because the whole app doesn't work at all. So, like, you can't even get to your account to cancel, which is what I tried to do last night. We went bankrupt about 10 months ago yeah. and fired our technical staff. Hey! I don't think you're wrong. But, but, Dude, I mean, how no. is that problem not fixed in yes. the second quarter of the first game that it's happening? And Let I guess alone it's a problem. three days later, dude. It's insane. And I, so I tweeted about this last night, and I got tweets back that said this is not a Timberwolves Valley. This is like a Valley no, problem no, for oh, other. Yeah. This is a Sinclair problem. Yeah, like the whole Sinclair thing. owns Valley Sports North. Right, it's ridiculous. It's all of them, and so I kind of wondered. I was uh, I was tweeting up a storm last night. I felt like it doesn't feel like many people are watching. This is wolves in Denver, man. Like there's, I know I there's know. probably some some you know fringe wolves fans who are like, no one cares about basketball in November, but people do. Like this I was do. an interesting matchup, and it's yes. I found in the responses like nobody could watch the game, yeah, because their app has been broken mm-hmm. for seventy. Now I've got cable, NBA. so I went upstairs and watched it. But the fact is, there's a lot of people like Declan and younger in their twenties who want to watch the damn product and can't. And, and like, this is, I don't care that I can ultimately watch it. Like this is your fan base. People in their twenties are probably some of your most important fans. Yeah. And, and this is a good segue into observation. Number one. All right. I have eight observations. So strap I, in. here. I love it. I'm just saying I was okay. pissed off. It's ridiculous, but you'll, but, but 
And I am too because my my first observation is a hot take in that I've been watching Timberwolves regular season basketball since 1991. I remember watching the 1991 season, Pooh Richardson. It was the year before they drafted Christian Leitner. And then they were pretty miserable for like a few years. And then KG. So I've been watching 32 years of Wolves regular season basketball. That was a top 10 regular season win last night for the Wolves. And nobody could watch it if you were trying to stream. The atmosphere, the upper deck had some empty sections. People need to get into the flow of Wolves basketball here. But like, there's, so I'm trying to think of that list. I don't have the whole list of 10, but beating Michael Jordan for the first time in 1997, I believe. 97, 97, yes. That, I think Pippen Center. was out that game, but it's I the first time game. they beat. You were at That's that right. I was four That's years right, old. It's one of my earliest core yeah. memories. Earliest memories. I was four or five years old. This is what, that was 97, right? Yep. So yes. I was yeah. about, probably about to turn five or maybe five years old, but it's one of my earliest memories in my bank. Dude, it was, I was watching on TV and I feel like, did we, I'm pretty sure confetti fell from the ceiling at the Target Center after yeah, we, that win. Yeah, dur- <laughs> during the uh, yes. pandemic, Phil and I did the review and talked about that. Yep. The confetti fell. Yes, that's one. I would say, like, there's 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 been a couple wins over, like, the Shaq-Kobe Lakers here and there, or, like, there was a win over the Warriors, I feel like, a couple years ago. So I don't have the full list, but they drubbed the defending champion Nuggets last night. It was not a close game from the first two minutes. It was super impressive. So the top of that list is probably the uh, the game 82 win against the Nuggets, right, to make the playoffs. Because that is a regular season game. That's so, yes, a regular season game. And, and that, I think, caused the, this whole – I think that was a main driver of the play-in thing because, like, yeah. that game was so much fun. Yeah. But, yeah, what I saw was really impressive. Like, nice bounce back. It now, was. as they said, consistency is going to be key, but that's a nice bounce back. Yep, and that's actually well, – that'll be a segue into the, the second observation from that clip Declan play. But it was kind of interesting, and I don't blame fans at all for this because you've, you've seen way too many blown 20-point leads. They, I think they took a 9 nothing lead in the first. The, the Nuggets didn't score until like the eight-minute mark of the first quarter, and the Wolves were up 9 nothing. Nuggets called timeout, and uh, you could feel like an excitement, but it was very much a nervous excitement. And then they're up by 20. It's the third quarter, and you knew the Nuggets were going to make some kind of a run because they just, you know, Jamal Murray was like 0 for 9 in the first half. But there's a feeling, and you guys know it. You know it in every Minnesota sports venue. And you felt this in the third quarter last night where the whole first half is a celebration. They're moving the ball around. They're playing elite defense. They're up by 21 points in the third. And that lead goes from 21 down to like 14 or 15. And it's this doom and gloom hush of inevitability that everyone just gets a little tighter in their chair, is a little bit more nervous. And it wound up, you know, they they took the punches and they were scoring. Mike Conley was delivering big shots and Nas Reed came in with the second unit. And and we'll talk about Rudy Gobert, but you knew that run was coming. The Wolves absorbed it, unlike the Atlanta run, which got out of hand. It was like a 60 to 20 run yeah. against Atlanta. So that was a I'm just saying like that's one of the the more impressive regular season wins I can remember watching Wolves basketball. And at least it didn't get down to like four or two, right? I, I think it no. got down to thirteen, but, but that's fine. Like that's not great. But yeah, that's that's fine. Happen. It's the NBA, right? Yeah, right. That's, exactly. Yeah. There, there's a difference between um, a team that because there's going to be runs. There's a difference between a team that has uh, sort of like an NBA ordinary run against it, 
and a Timberwolves run. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is, like, oh my God, now we're down by 10. Yeah, I know. There's going to be like seven-point swings, 10-point yeah. swings. In Wolves games, there's 35-point swings. Just, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, observation number two, Declan played the clip off the top, but observation number two is despite the impressive nature of that win, Chris Finch wasn't really all that impressed, or at least he wasn't showing it in the post game because the first question there was, hey, you guys learned from your mistake in that last game. Are you impressed with the maturity of hanging out of that 20-point lead against the defending champions? And uh, you heard the quote from him, but to summarize the whole thing, he basically said, it was fine, but do it again, again, mm-hmm. again. Herbie. Very Herb Brooks-like. Uh, maturity comes when you stack performances like this on top of each other. And I agree, like, it's a building block, but the biggest problem for this team last year and why they were stuck in Playinville land again is because they, they either would lose a bunch of games to bad teams or they would blow 15- and 20-point leads yeah. in the second half in games that should be over. And last night they found a way on both ends of the court to prevent that from happening, but it can't be you can't now give it up four times in the next five games that you have a big lead. So I, I like uh, Finchie's approach so far because I think the fact that he rightfully so didn't go over the top last night in his praise it's sort of the um, it's sort of the payback or the exchange for the fact that he didn't go nuts after the Hawks loss. Like he could have melted down. That was brutal. And he really kept his calm. And he's like, yeah, there were some things, and we're going to work on them. Um, but I like the even keel, especially in an eighty-two game season when you're what now four games into it or something like that. So I think the trade-off of I'm not going to get too excited about that win, but I also didn't melt down after the Hawks loss is a very fair trade-off. Yep. Melting down after the Hawks loss, I think, would have been tone deaf for two reasons. One, you're showing panic three games in, which is bad. But also, like, some of this is on Chris Finch. We did a pie chart of blame for the 20-point losses in recent Wolves history on the last episode, and I think I had four slices. I gave 25% to Finch sort of ambiguously because you don't know for sure. Now, Kyle made a good point. They, they did call two very timely timeouts in the third quarter. Just to hey, you know, the, lead's, the lead goes from 21 down to 16. Timeout. Yeah, okay. And then it goes from like 16 down to 13. Timeout. But this was like over the course of maybe seven minutes, and the Wolves were punching back. But it's not as much about, as Kyle pointed out, it's not as much about his unwillingness to call timeout. Sometimes he does go Phil Jackson on it where he's like, hey, I, we, got, we got Conley out there. I got Gobert. I got guys who played in 80 playoff games they should know how to fix this in a regular season game. So I do I do think sometimes he goes a little too far with trying to be Phil Jackson in those moments. But, you know, whatever he's saying in some of these huddles or at halftime, last night it wasn't as much of an issue. But some of this is on Finch. So I think he kind of knew that after the third game. Uh, observation number three, the Wolves' defense, when they decide to, can clamp any team in the NBA. So according to automatic NBA Twitter account, kind of a like an analytics statistical account. The Denver Nuggets were held to a 90.1 offensive rating tonight against the Timberwolves. That's their lowest single-game offensive rating in the 2020s, regular season and playoffs. And it wasn't, it wasn't they were just missing shots, you know. There's been some Wolves games where the opponent just can't hit the broad side of a barn. Everything felt contested, and, you know, Gobert playing sort of off Jokic and coming over as a as a help defender was super effective, but also worth noting, 
the Wolves currently, after four games, lead the NBA in scoring defense and also in defensive rating per 100 possessions. So the Hawks' second half got out of hand, but the other quarters that they've played have been clamps defensively so far. So I, I thought the uh, game story that Chris Heinen did in the, the Star Tribune today was actually great because it basically focused on Cat's role and how he yeah. they matched him up on Joker, and Gobert sort of played more of a safety net so he wasn't the main guy on Joker, and McDaniels was absolutely huge. Yeah. But if you think about that, if you can maximize Cat in a role like that and he does it, it's going to make a world of difference because nobody's ever questioned like Cat's talent and and Cat's abilities. What they've questioned is his mental state, right? So it it makes and and that is a credit to Finch as well and the defensive orchestration, the fact that they. Because you ordinarily, I think, would think, well, it's probably going to be Gobert, and you just hope that Cat can score. Well, Cat's struggling to score. So I will say this. Credit to the Wolves for a game plan that actually worked well. And I don't think that you can underestimate what Jaden McDaniels means as well, defensively. And it's uh, they implemented that plan too successfully in the playoff series against the Nuggets where sometimes they would have Gobert on Joker, but... Um, it, it seems like they've found something. Now the Nuggets are probably going to react and they're going to make some adjustments because they're one of the smartest teams in the NBA. Uh, but another thing about Gobert too. So you mentioned, you know, him kind of roving around. Not he's he's him roving around is so effective because he can sort of decide when and where he wants to try to block a shot or alter a drive into the lane. If you look at just the box score, you say, wow, Gobert was 0 for 7 last night. Uh, he had 12 rebounds. That's fine. You know, it's certainly not his biggest rebounding game. Had a couple of blocks. You'd kind of say, that's all right. It was fine last night. But it's another one of those games where if you just watch it, I can't tell you how many times he would blow up a drive to the rim. Like somebody would start, all right, there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock. And Jamal Murray would start to drive the lane. And, oh, there's Rudy Gobert. Oh, I'm going to dribble back out. Now I'm going to throw it out to the wing. And now there's four seconds left to shoot. Just how many times he alters what you're trying to do without it being a block or or a rebound or something you can quantify on the stat sheet. It was one of those games for him last night. This The first four games looks a lot more like the Utah Rudy Gobert than, yes. than we saw at any point last year, I feel like. Uh, to put it as simply as possible, it looks to me like he is very certain of what he is, what his role is, and what the expectation is. Like a year ago, you could see him, especially before Cat got hurt in Washington, you could sort of see the gears for both of them grinding as far as what should I be doing. And Gobert would try to do some things that he is famous for, but you could see that there was not a comfort there. When I've watched the Wolves so far this season, I think across the board, Gobert looks entirely comfortable now with what the ask is. And again, to go back to what I said a couple of days ago, he's never going to look like it's never going to look like, oh, man, this trade is a great trade now. Gobert is turning into like this player he's not. The Wolves do exactly what they were getting, and I feel like what we're seeing now is the Gobert. And to your point, Phil, yes. Guys now don't come in the, the lane. We saw that a little bit last year, but I don't think like this consistently. And the block on Joker last night was gorgeous. Oh, my God. There was also a I play. Mean, a hell of a player. <laughs> yes. There was also a play. I believe it was Gobert. Uh, Gobert went up. He was going up for a dunk, and and uh, Jokic came around and like tried to swat the ball and like clearly just 
came down forearm on forearm. It was the most obvious textbook foul. And uh, Joker puts his hand up, you know, like, oh, yep, my bad. And everyone in the arena is looking over at the official, number 45. I remember because he was getting taunted by the fans. He was the only one in the arena that didn't see it and that didn't see. You know, it's pretty rare that an NBA player is like, yep, that's me. And nothing. So there was a, there was a couple. And I don't want to, like, make a big deal. out the, the officiating was odd last night. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, it was being complained about. But Jim go, Pete tweeted was, about it, too. Yeah. But there there was a few moments like that where Gobert would have had a dunk or there I would say if we could do a segment within a segment here, a pie chart of Rudy Gobert's comfort in his second year so far. Only four games, but I think having a full year in the new city with your new teammates in the system, like all of that makes a difference. I think another slice would be Mike Conley in place of D'Angelo Russell, a guy that he's familiar with from his previous stop. Uh, and a guy that, like, Mike Conley is looking to actively engage teammates. D'Angelo Russell was always a little too cool for school, right? Oh, Gobert can't catch a pass. I'm going to make fun of him in the locker room or to the media, as opposed to, well, what can I do to tap into this resource, this seven-foot monster that, yeah, maybe he doesn't have great hands, but you know what? Like, he's still valuable. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other slice would be Anthony Edwards is much more actively looking to get the ball to Gobert under the rim. Now again, he went 0 for seven last night, but they were they were throwing him passes in there, and he was getting to the line. He was he should have gotten to the line more often. So we'll see. It's four games. It's four games, but we'll see. Uh, Judd, you mentioned Carl, so here's my fourth Carl. observation. Carl, Carl. Switch. switch, switch. I think here's my observation on Carl. He did a great job avoiding a total meltdown in that game. This was a classic sort of like could have gone 50-50 either way with him. And we've seen it where the energy is, it's it's an electric atmosphere. It's one of the best teams in the NBA. You got one of your big rivals coming in in, in Jokic, right? Like everything is heightened. And he does the classic cat thing where he picks up two early fouls. And of course, there's always going to be a debate with any of Carl's fouls. Like those weren't fouls. I'm getting screwed, right? And he's flailing his arms and stuff. But like, you know, plenty of that. He picks up the two early fouls. And we've seen when once that happens, we've seen a lot of games where he's just a Mm non-factor. He comes back in, picks up a third foul. Then he comes back in, you know, and he winds up shooting four for 12 with, you know, five fouls in 25 minutes or something. Last night, to his credit, and there were some questionable non-calls on him. He was getting hammered in the paint a couple times and did not get the benefit. So I will side with him on some of those. He bounced back, man. He played good defense on Jokic pretty much all night. He scored some key buckets when they needed in the third quarter, fourth quarter. So I will give Carl credit. There, That felt like a situation where he could have played himself right out of the game in the first quarter, and he put his head back in, and he figured it out. Let me say this about him last night, because I think that this is actually, I think we're, and it, this is not going to be a surprise, but I think what we saw last night, though, was, one of the important things, despite the two early fouls, as you brought up, was this. He knew what his role was. Like, I think a lot of a lot of the Carl confusion to me is not, not our confusion. It's Carl's own confusion, right? About what's your job tonight? Are you supposed to be a scorer, facilitator? And, and I mean, he has, the frustrating thing is he has the God-given ability to do whatever, what, ever for the most part he wants physically mm-hmm. but i think last night knowing his role actually probably helps him because yeah, like finch, he had clearly a defined role last night finch commented on that too kind of unprompted somebody asked him about 
cat and just kind of the game that he had. And and uh, Finch went out of his way to talk about this was an all NBA player, third team all NBA player before Gobert came along. And we asked an all NBA player to switch positions basically and play next to a seven foot five. And um, so, and he, and he, and Finch said verbatim, he's still trying to figure that out. And you could take that however you want. Like you could take that as why is he still trying to figure it out? Like, dude, you're it's, it's right. basketball figured out. Right. But, right. but yeah, you know, there is, I think, and because he missed 50 plus games too, I, I think, I don't think we should, and I've been as hard on cat as pretty much anyone. We shouldn't discount the fact that he's only in, in terms of regular season, what did he play? 30 games. So he's played like 35 games in this new world. 40 if you count the playoff series. Mm-hmm. So he's a half season in, even though he's like a year and a half in when you or a year in. He's basically a half season into playing this new position. Uh, before we get to observations five, six, seven, and eight, let's talk about our friends Finch Home Solutions. Not Chris Finch, not yet, anyways. Right. His yep. distant relative, somewhere if you go back far enough, Cody Finch. Cody Finch, our hey, friend. Look at, that. look at that beautiful van the right there. Van exactly right. So Chris Finch, as Mentioned at the top of the show, he has basketball solutions. Uh, but Cody Finch, my guy, huge Vikings fan, loves him, is is optimistic, hopeful. He has Finch Home solutions for any electrical issues. While basketball is important, guess what? The electrical issues in your home are far more important because protecting your home and your family is the most important thing in life. And Finch Home Solutions can do exactly that. In fact, you know, they can do small work, install an outlet, something that simple. It'll be quick. It'll be fast, efficient, courteous. They can rewire your entire house. And look, again, the electrical issues in your home are some of the most important things. They are protecting your home. So if there's any questions, if there's any problems, Finch Home Solutions is where you want to go Um They've been into Sports Dad's house. Very few people get into Sports Dad's house, but guess what? They came in. They did a great job. They would would be, unlike Declan, well, I have have not had Dex in in my house yet, but they would be invited back because they are that good. 612-357-2604, finchhomesolutions.com. Their site has been redone. It's easy to navigate, finchhomesolutions.com. Go on there, schedule uh, an appointment if you need something for your home. I'm going to tell you right now, again, they're going to show up. They're going to do the job. That's because Cody Finch has the solutions for any electrical issues in your home. Yeah, just like Chris Finch had the solution to the Denver Nuggets last night. The Nuggets were very complimentary post game to just talking about that's a good basketball team, and they've given yeah. us problems. And we heard some of the talk after the, the championship run, and they were looking back, and a couple of those Nuggets rotation players are saying, the Wolves gave us the toughest series of all the teams we faced two months of playoffs. Observation five from last night. Anthony Edwards said something interesting. This is from our guy, Dane Moore, Dane Moore NBA podcast. So uh, Anthony Edwards was asked in the locker room what the Wolves need to do to stay consistent. And Anthony Edwards said this, quote, starting with myself, just can't come out being selfish, worrying about however many points I want to score. Just playing within the game, playing within the flow, I think that's the main thing with me. I'm worried so much about scoring and how many points I got and how many points I'm trying to get instead of just worrying about the little things, rebounding, boxing out, getting back on D. So tonight, I wasn't really worried about scoring. I was just worrying about what we can do to win the game. So I think if I come out with that mentality of not worrying about points, we'll be all right. 
he still got like 25 points in that game right. last night. But it would be it's an it's probably an interesting conundrum when you're in your early 20s, you're physically maturing into one of the most unstoppable forces in the NBA. You know that you can get your shot off wherever you want to, and balancing sort of the ego and all of the stuff that goes into wanting to drive your car as fast as you can with what's the winning play. Right. And I mean, Kevin Garnett was great at that. I mean, Kevin Garnett, if you wanted to, could have scored 30 points a night, any mm-hmm. season in his career. Right. And almost to a fault. Sometimes KG would, he would go into a game looking to get everyone else going. He would defer to teammates on final shots and whatnot. So striking that balance is going to mean sometimes the wolves need Anthony Edwards to go into to Kobe mode, but they're playing at their best when he, there's a couple times last night where like they're trying to get the ball moving. Here we go. Bang, bang, bang. It comes to Edwards top of the key and it stops. It gets sticky as Chris Mitch would say. Don't like the stickiness. And he's good enough sometimes to be sticky, you know, jab, step, jab, step, boom. And he knocks down a shot. But in general, the whole thing is better when he is involved with keeping the ball moving. And then when the ball comes back to him, Lo and behold, there's a wide open lane for a dunk or a wide open three, right? So he's he's if he works within the flow, he's still going to score 25 points like he did last night, and they're going to win. Two things come off to uh, come to mind about this. First of all, I think Ant definitely means what he says, but I think it's one thing to say it. Like Ant clearly knows he's not delusional. He knows exactly what he should and can do, right? Um, I think it's sometimes. To your point, Phil, it gets difficult for him, though, to actually practice what what he's preaching. And so, like, that's the next step. But the other thing is, and this is the thing about consistency, and it it alludes back to uh, to something that we touched on briefly before, is the Denver Nuggets beat you in the playoffs. They won the NBA championship. Getting up for them is easy. Like, that's not hard, right? Like, you're coming off the Hawks Mm -hmm. game, which was a disaster, you come home, start of a four-game homestand. You're playing the defending champs. It's not hard to say, okay, guys, we're going to make a statement. We're going to come back tonight and prove that the Hawks game was not who we are. What I want to see now, though, is all of this and all of the talk about consistency and what guys have to do. I want to see that carry over into Wednesday night games against bad teams. Which like, like that's the mature. That. Like they, sh- they should be hungry. None of these guys have won. Titles I know, but I think it's a like... mental. I think it's a mental thing, and I think like you play the defending champs, and you are like, yeah, especially at home, yeah, let's go, let's prove this, and you know, good for them last night. They probably did, yeah. but but when you're gonna face a, you know, the Detroit Pistons on a Wednesday night in an empty arena in Detroit, can you come out and and have this same sort of consistency? To me, that's what a championship team does. And that's the difference between, like, that's a pretty good team. It's a pretty talented team. And, no, that's just a flat-out good team. You know what the motivation should be? Is if if you can get out in front by 20 points, like last night, and you can carry that through the third quarter, guess what happens with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter? Denver waves the white flag and puts their bench players in. Now, the, the Wolves left their starters in for, like, three minutes because, you know, they still don't trust themselves with a 20-point lead. But, like, that should be the goal. You know, let's make tonight. We're going to play the Pistons tonight. We need some extra motivation. Here's the motivation. Rest all starters in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Be up by 24 points going into the fourth quarter and uh, put some ice on our knees and some ice on our backs and towels on our heads with 10 minutes left in the in the game. I found the game for you. 
It's going to take a while, but I found the game. The schedule's tough, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday, January 17th at the Pistons, 6 p.m. local time start uh, here, okay? I want you guys to come out and show the same fire and consistency that you did on on a on a Wednesday night against the defending champions at home. So we got to wait the game two on, months. You got to wait two months for a really, really crappy game because that's the type of game that to me is going to be the have you really matured game. Observation number six, Jokic is the weirdest NBA superstar I can remember Mm -hmm. in terms of just being unorthodox. You know, we've seen him seen him play at this level now for a few years, but when you watch him in person, too, it's just so much more magnified. He looks exhausted three minutes into every game. He's just he's lumbering. He's huffing, puffing. He's got red scratch marks everywhere. He's just Bitching at the refs while he's he trudges around. Yeah. Like, he's a beefy human. I but he just, it. like, dude, he looks, the game starts, it, we're, you know, there's nine minutes left in the first quarter, and he's drenched in sweat and breathing heavy every night. Like, they're winning the title. And despite this, he's putting up 28. Last night he put up, uh, I think he only had, like, three or four assists. It wasn't, like, a typical Jokic game because the Wolves did a great job on him. But yep. it's kind of amazing. You just, if you if you didn't know anything about him, you just watched him play and someone said, do you think that guy is one of the best players in the NBA? You'd say, I don't know how that could be possible. He's He can't jump over a phone book, but he gets it done, man. It's the greatest old man game in the history of the NBA. <laughs> the simplest explanation that I can come up with to what you just said is when you watch Jokic, the skill set makes no sense. And, dude, he gets, like, his shots get contested all the time in the lane, and he finds a way to just, like, flip the ball around Rudy's well, hand he- or... And the height of his shots can be incredible. Yes. But a lot of but like his passing ability, like the skill set doesn't make a lot of sense. It's old man game, man. It mm-hmm. is the most refined it's and so good, though, effective yeah. old man game in the history of the NBA. Observation number seven, Jaden McDaniels was excellent last night doing Jaden McDaniels things. Now he did, he gets a little like, you know, anger management has been kind of a problem for him. Like he at one point he I think it was Jamal Murray he shoved Jamal Murray and picked up a flagrant like as Jamal was going for a layup, uh, but he was a huge reason why Jamal Murray started zero for nine last night, and the Nuggets couldn't get a point for a while. He also had nine rebounds in the game, so he's he's been more active as a rebounder here, uh, at least in that game last night. It's only the sixth time in his career that he has snagged nine or more rebounds in a game. Six times. That's interesting. And you watch him. He's like six foot nine. That. He's super athletic, right? And uh, one of the one of the nitpicks that Chris Finch has about this team is it's not big man rebounding. It's everyone else rebounding. So you've seen Anthony Edwards make a concerted effort with 14 rebounds in the first game. Um, you saw last night Jaden McDaniels and nine rebounds. They need the Anthony Edwards, the Jaden. They need that sort of second layer of the you know, the player's seven feet tall to be collecting more rebounds. So if all of a sudden Jaden McDaniels, in addition to shooting threes and, you know, he can also get shots off, you know, if he's, if he's given opportunities to, if he's going to be grabbing five, six, seven, eight, nine rebounds more often, big game changer. I'm not encouraging him to punch walls because that's just stupid, but I will say this for his edge. Um, he's the type of guy I don't think you want to take his edge away because I like the I like the sort of chip on his shoulder play. Like I don't want him get getting stupid texts and things like that. I'm not trying to say that, but I also don't want to defuse him completely. Yeah, because I think 
part of his success is sort of this FU that he brings to his defensive game. And I really like that part of it. Yep. Yep. And it was a good sign. You know, that was the first, I guess Atlanta, but like, this is the second time they've run their actual starting lineup out. And to get off to that hot of a start, because the biggest thing we're watching for is with a pretty inflexible starting lineup, there's not a lot of changes to be made. Like, Four of the five guys almost have to start, and Jaden McDaniels should also start. So it's kind of, this is your starting five. And to to get out to the hot starts they have now in two games, including against the defending champions, it's a good, it's a good sign as you're looking to see. That starting five can't just be a break-even starting five, and then your bench gets out in front. Like You have to be able to take leads on teams and then do it again in the second half. And uh, they were all like plus 10, plus 20 in that starting lineup last night. I liked uh, Michael Grady's line of Afro Thunder towards him in the Atlanta game on Monday. I don't know if you guys saw that, but loved uh, loved the nickname Afro Thunder. Also a, a great, I think he might be a, was it ready to rumble? It was a great N64 boxing game back in like the early 2000s, and I thought maybe he stole it from that as well. Um, but in general, he's when he's on the court, it just makes their life a lot easier. Their, their defense has more energy, um, and I think everyone's still waiting for his offense to you know take the next step, but... All the things he brings on the back end of the court, I think, are always worth it. And whether he gets that offensive ceiling, he breaks the glass ceiling, that'll be great. But I think his defensive prowess, just having his presence on the court, makes a humongous difference. Yeah, he's the fact that you can just put him on like Jamal Murray, you know? Oh yeah, or Kyrie or Luca. Yep, you can just kind of put him on whoever you want to. And then my eighth and final observation: it was a lot of things to observe last night at Target Center. It's quite simply Nas Reed. Nas Reed. Nasreed. Nasreed. Dude, the roof blows off Target Center every time that dude makes a basket. Every time he checks in, he gets the loudest ovation of anyone on the roster. He was a major factor in staving off Denver's run in the second half. He's scoring in the post at will. He's a a high uh, percentage three-point shooter. He's been great running the floor. He's always been an energy player, but... We're just seeing a we're seeing like a fully realized version of Nas Reed here in the twenty plus minutes that he gets, and uh, it's good to see that you can kind of use him with Rudy Gobert effectively now too this season. We'll see if that continues, but Nas Reed feels like an even better version than he was last year, and I think he's probably number one on the fan favorite power rankings, even ahead of Anthony Edwards right now. It's kind of crazy. I love that point. That's great. Good for the fans. So there you go. Eight Wolves observations for you guys here on Flagrant Howls. By the way, if you guys could click the uh, like button and the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel so we can keep growing this thing. So many awesome Minnesota sports fans um, that have jumped on board here over the past couple of years. And uh, on the Flagrant Howls podcast feed on the Apple and Spotify pages, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review, which also helps grow the uh, Timberwolves Lifestyle podcast here. Valleys, get this fixed. Come on, you idiots. Get this fixed. And the Wolves got to jump in, too. Any team that's with these clowns has to jump in. Dude, it's... Jim, Pete, and Grady deserve to be heard by anyone that wants to watch or, or who pays to watch their games. Come yeah, on. It's embarrassing. And it's not. It's funny because it's not even Bally's. That's the, that's the name. Yeah, rights. true. If Diamond I'm... Sports Group. Sinclair. Diamond Sports Group. Sinclair. And put the Wolves, too. The Wolves are now culpable, too, because like we're yeah, now two games into, like, do something. Yeah, and if you're Bally's, 
you're catching strays here, man. Like, is it worth the millions of I told dollars you I you're got out to be part of this train wreck? I told you I would have broken. And, I would have broken that con. I would have told him, "Look, we didn't know that you clowns were going bankrupt. I want out." Yeah, so you're going bankrupt, and your app doesn't work, and people are mad at us because we put our name on all this stuff. It's like That's if ridiculous. someone came and paid you to be a Mackie and then turned into a complete embarrassment. You'd you're be like, you can't use, "Yeah, you can't use my name. I'm just licensing my name to you." Some people say that you just told the story of my family, embarrassed yeah. of me. That's actually Maya Mackie. That's actually who Maya. He's, he's just yelling at Maya for for licensing his name to Maya after she, you know, does something naughty. Stop pooping on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, people walk there. Come okay? on, whore in the house. All right, that's a wrap on Flagrant Howls here today. Your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.